1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. This episode is part of a series of team-by-team check-ins that my co-host DJ Short and I will be conducting right up until the opening of the 2017 regular season. It's obviously a little early to get serious about baseball and fantasy baseball for that matter, but there are 30 teams to cover and most major league rosters are pretty well set by now. And we wanted to touch base with some of the different beat writers from around the country before they head off to spring training. Or while they're at spring training. Um, DJ has spoken to Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press about the Twins, and Evan Drellick of the Boston Herald about the Red Sox, and Joe Stiglitz of CSN Bay Area about the Athletics. You can find those episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, and of course the Roto World Baseball website. Um, if you subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review the podcast, if you like it, that would be much appreciated. In this episode, I talk Diamondbacks with Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Um, the Diamondbacks were a major disappointment last season. A.J. Pollock suffered an elbow fracture in spring training. The Shelby Miller trade didn't work out at all. Zach Grinke had a ERA over four in the first year of a $206 million deal. Um, they finished with a record of 69-93, and 93, very near the bottom of the National League, and a run differential of negative 138 this all led to some pretty significant changes to the front office over the offseason general manager dave stewart was fired in october after just two years on the job and mike hazen was brought in from the red sox in a vice president gm type of role Uh, tony la russa's responsibilities have been significantly decreased from chief baseball officer to more of an advisor um, what have you seen so far from Hazen and the new higher ups, and do we have an idea of what the goals might be for year one this This seems like a team to me that wants to compete in two thousand seventeen and might have the talent to do that despite the really bad results from last year.
2: Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on drew um and yeah i think I think that you're right it it does look like a team that's that's trying to contend and I mean, I think you look at the players, you know, on paper and you look at the roster, uh, at least at the big league level, I I know the farm system isn't strong, but it doesn't seem, you know, totally out of the realm of possibility that these guys could, you know, a lot of them could bounce back and that they could put together a season as a team that's, you know, on at least on the fringes, I would think of contention, you know, maybe an 80 something win team if a lot of things break their way um and you know it's baseball it's unpredictable you never know maybe they get on a roll and and are even better than that but uh it does feel like the this regime um is at least like you know hey let's see what these guys can do in the early going uh let's see if this roster can perform more like what the organization thought it was uh, gonna do last year um you know and, and let's see if this group can can win right away. And, you know, I I think, though, that, um, you know, you look at the, I mentioned the farm system being down. Um, I I do think that they are probably going to have to be pretty quick to change directions if things don't work out Um, because they're really not going to have very many other opportunities to sort of capitalize on these guys' value. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, A.J. Pollock has a year after this one. Corbin has a year after this one. Um, you know, they, they just have other guys starting to get pretty expensive on this roster and, uh, I just don't think that they're going to have a t- ton of opportunities to, uh, you know, replenish their, their system if they, uh, if they don't act quickly, if, you know, say this team is, I don't know, eight games out at the end of May. Um, I, I think that they'll, uh, they'll probably have to reassess pretty quick.
1: Since you brought up the farm system, this was going to be one of my last questions, but I read your recent piece in the Arizona Republic about the problems that, I mean, it might be the worst farm system in baseball or, or one of probably the bottom three. Um, is there any anyone in there that could surprise and make a meaningful impact this season in Arizona, someone that people might not know about?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think most systems have those kinds of guys. Um, it's just, it's just one of those systems where you look at it on paper and it's hard to really bet on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anybody coming up and making a really huge impact. Um, I mean, I guess like, it, it depending on how valuable you think you think a reliever's production can be, um, you know, a couple of guys come to mind: uh, Jared Miller, uh, a left-hander who just lit up the fall league um, last fall. Um, is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he made it to the big leagues relatively early this year. Um, I mean, but you know how it goes. I mean, it's there. It, it, it's a reliever. It's a young player on top of that, um, and he's relatively unproven. But he did seem to put some things together in 2016, and and had quite a bit of momentum. Another guy, Jimmy Shirfie, uh is a reliever, uh, kind of an undersized guy with a uh, pretty huge fastball um put up some monster numbers in uh in double a last year um hit a bit of a bump in triple a but you know another guy that certainly has the stuff uh to to come up and contribute and then you know in terms of guys that could surprise um they have a a guy named uh Jazrado chisholm who is a um
1: Nice international name. signing nice. yeah
2: and he goes by jazz <laughs> makes it even better That's great so jazz chisholm um yeah he could uh he's a guy who was an international signing from a couple of years ago um middle infield type um probably um you know several years away for sure um but i think probably the the, the guy that you know most people talk about as as being someone who could take a big step up and and kind of really solidify his, his prospect status this year.
1: Um, c- kind of connected to the firing of Dave Stewart and the hiring of Hazen, Arizona also fired manager Chip Hale in October and replaced him with Tori Lavella, the f- former bench coach of the Red Sox, who worked under Hazen there. Um, Lavella served as an interim manager in Boston two years ago when John Farrell underwent chemotherapy, and he had a lot of success as a manager in the minor leagues. But I personally don't have a great... Feel for what kind of manager he'll be in the National League West, which I, I feel like Arizona is a really unique place to manage because it's a power-friendly home park, and so, are, so is Coors Field. Um, it can be difficult to get positive results from your pitching staff, and it seems like they're always trying to rework the bullpen. Um, this is kind of a broad question, but we'll, yeah. you know it'll, it'll lead us into other ones. Do you have a sense of what kind of manager he, he's going to be? Yeah,
2: not really. Damn. Um I mean I've heard people talk about how the the different clubs that he had in the minor leagues, he he managed them all different um you know kind of going according to the personnel that he had in front of him and and you know just kind of having some flexibility in in his style. Um which you know is probably what you want out sure. of a manager. Yeah. Um but no, I don't I don't really think anybody has a great sense for for how he's going to be in terms of strategy in the National League. Um you know people talk about you know his personality and you know he's he's supposed to be a very positive guy um someone who is uh is good at kind of building relationships and kind of connecting with everyone from you know the the bat boys and the beat writers to the the star player and the and the closer you know Mm -hmm. um he's someone that's going to treat everybody well uh that, that that's what his reputation is so Um, It sounds like a guy that's going to be easy to play for. It sounds like a guy that people are going to want to play hard for. Um, But, you know, I think we're all going to have to wait and see um, just what kind of manager he is.
1: Right. Um, This is kind of a a fantasy-related question, but Gene Segura was traded to the Mariners in November for Taiwan Walker, leaving Paul Goldschmidt, A.J. Pollock, and Chris Owings as kind of the big stolen base guys on the roster. And as a fantasy player, you're always trying to find cheap speed, or, or I mean with Goldschmidt and Pollock, we're talking about expensive speed, but mm-hmm. um, Goldie set a career high in steals last season with 32. Owing set a career high with 21, and we know that, that Pollock has great wheels. Um, do you think this team will be as aggressive on the base pass as they were under the old regime? I mean, there's no way to say for sure, but um, do you think the, the high stolen base numbers last year were a product of just kind of a down year and, and give everyone the green light? do, what do you give a sense for that?
2: Well, um, I mean, I guess you would say, like, you look at a new regime coming in, especially one from, you know, kind of more of a sabermetrically inclined mm-hmm. uh, leaning, um, you would think that maybe they'd be a little more cautious. But, but these guys were really good on the bases, and I think that um, a big part, part of it is Dave McKay as their first base coach. Um, he is uh, widely regarded as you know just one of the best out there in terms of um, picking up things that the opposing pitcher is doing in his in his delivery and his move to first um, just just a, a really astute baseball observer who helps these guys tremendously in um, in getting jumps and i mean i don't know exactly what the number is i, I think they they stole well over 100 bases last year as a team, but it would seem to me that there were probably 15 or 20 times they stole bases without throws, uh, and was clearly, um, you know, the sort of thing that was the result of of you know being really well prepared and knowing what the opposing pitchers' tendencies were. Um, so I think that they steal a bag or two. It seems like all the time um, because of because of that preparedness and not necessarily you know speed or or traditional aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Um I would imagine that that would continue under under McKay. Um and I would imagine those guys, you know, Goldschmidt uh has always been a very astute uh and prepared guy. Owings I want to say Owings has one of the better uh stolen base success rates of anybody uh the last few years, you know, when you start looking at a, you know, certain number of attempts, he's up there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would think that Pollock is going to certainly, you know, run a lot more than he did last year, since he barely played. But you know, get back to those old levels. Peralta's another guy that can probably uh, get better and and use his speed um, to the to to his advantage on the base paths.
1: Um, another kind of managerial question that you might not have a great answer to is um, where does Jake Lamb bat in this lineup? Uh, he had a breakout year in 2016. 840 OPS, 29 homers, 91 RBIs. Uh, but he, he kind of moved all around the lineup from sixth to cleanup to second. I've seen a lot of projections that have him as their number two hitter. Uh, he did have a 408 OBP in the minors, um, which is kind of surprising for a guy who maybe some people think of as like a big slugging type. Yeah. Um, I don't know, do you have a sense for where he, well, be, when he might hit?
2: He doesn't run super well, and maybe mm-hmm. the absence of Wellington Castillo, um, who was often hitting in, the, in a run-producing spot, um, would make them more willing to drop Lamb into that kind of spot, and and maybe move up. Uh, you know, if Owings is in the lineup, put him up higher. Um, and I don't know. I, I it's a it's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could they could put Drury higher up. I mean, if they wanted to lead off, Pollock. And go Pollock, Drury, Goldschmidt. I think part of the appeal of having Lamb up there second is that it's a left-handed hitter who can split up those righties. So, I, I don't have a really good answer. I I would guess that he would be in you know more more of a uh, like protecting Goldschmidt type of position. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but batting second does make sense. He doesn't run super well, but he does get on base, like you said
1: fernando rodney was signed to a one-year 2.7 million dollar free agent contract in december and it looks like he'll open the 2017 season as the diamondbacks closer even though he really fell apart down the stretch last year in miami and turns 40 years old in march um if he fails early on who do you think they go to Is, is it jake barrett is it randall delgado is there a closer of the future that i'm missing here yeah, it's probably
2: Barrett based on performance last year. Um, I mean, other guys that that have the stuff to do it, I would say, uh, would include Enrique Burgos, um, who, you know, also had a, a down year among among a lot of people in that bullpen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see how how the roster shakes out. Um, you know, they're going to have some guys. You know, JJ Hoover is going to be in camp. On a minor league deal, uh, that's the sort of veteran that you you know could see ascending to that kind of position um, if he throws well. Uh, they'll also have uh, Kevius Sampson in camp on a minor league deal trying to win a spot in the bullpen. He's got a, a real good arm and good stuff. And then you know those guys I mentioned earlier, uh, Jared Miller and, and Jimmy Scherfie, you never know how it plays out if, if those guys come out throwing the way that they were at times last year, and an opportunity arises. Um, You know, I I think that they've both had some experience closing games in the minors. So, you know, you never know.
1: Yeah, I'm figuring we see a lot of kind of different names and changing roles in that bullpen. Uh, One other guy I want to talk about, Robbie Ray is drawing a lot of early love in, in fantasy leagues because of the high strikeout total. He had a uh, 218 strikeouts in 174 and third innings last year. Has there been talk of what he can do to improve in the command and run de- run prevention departments leading into 2017? Um, I know it's kind of a broad question as well, but
2: yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I throw think more with, strikes. <laughs> yeah, I think that would that would probably help. Um, but you know, it, it seemed like it was a. Uh, it was just a case of him sort of, uh, I, I mean, you think back to his season, it, it's, it was kind of hard to explain, uh, to be honest. I mean, there, I, I remember looking, he had one of the highest ERAs all time, uh, for guys with, with 200 strikeouts in a season. Um, and there were stretches where you would watch him and he was just untouchable, you know, I mean, this is a guy that would fall behind in counts and they would you know hitters would know he's coming with the fastball and he'd throw it by him two three times in a row um it was it was that electric of a pitch for him um he went through stretches for sure where the secondary stuff was more reliable at times than others um i I think that that would you know if he had a couple of secondary pitches that he could go to more consistently i I think that that would change everything about and it bat against him um so and that's been a you know that's been a thing he's been focusing on for a long time he he came through the minor leagues as a guy with a really good changeup. uh sort of lost his feel for that pitch the last couple of years um you know started to come around on a breaking ball uh but you know even that pitch was a little bit inconsistent i I think it's probably fair to say um and he was a guy that wound up getting uh kind of foul balled to death at times uh his pitch count would would climb he'd get to two strikes on guys and and wouldn't be able to put them away and next thing you know you look up and it was it was in the you know fourth or fifth inning and he was approaching 100 pitches it reminded me a lot of what max scherzer was like early in his career with the diamondbacks um you know he wound up obviously developing those off-speed pitches and and uh putting together the kind of repertoire that complements that fastball I think that's really what Robbie's going to be focused on this year. Um, you know, obviously there were a lot of uh, you know of outings that he wanted back, but there were so many uh, encouraging signs for him in his development that you got to feel pretty good about it going into this year.
1: I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you want to let people know how they can follow you on social media or, or, or follow your coverage of the Diamondbacks throughout the spring.
2: Sure. Yeah, um, I'm at Nick Pacoro. On Twitter. Um, and uh, I write at azcentral.com. Um, that's the website for the Arizona Republic. Thanks for having me on, Drew. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks again to Nick for joining us. We'll have multiple episodes per week during this team check-in series. If you like what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Again, you can also find these episodes on Stitcher, Boom, Google Play, and of course, the Road World website. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew Silve. That's D R E W S I L V. My co host DJ Short is at DJ Short. Thanks for listening to the Roto World Baseball Podcast.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.